Hello, hi, welcome to another episode of the TetraCast. It is episode 307, and we are recording on July 15th, 2023. I am your host, Josh Torres. Uh, as you can tell, uh, Brian, the usual host, is not here. Uh, he had some other obligations to attend to, so I'll be manning the ship uh, for this episode. Uh, joining me, you know, it's uh, the familiar faces you know and love. We have Adam Vitali. Hello. And Brian is at a Renaissance fair. Oh, that's awesome. I hope that's, talk- that's sick. Yeah, I hope he talks about it next week. Um, we have, as you heard, James Galizio. Hey, folks. And we have Chow Min Wu. Yeah, so much excitement. I mean, I'm always excited when you're here, Chow. Okay? Just like all of you, I'm always excited to talk to you guys. Oh, thank uh, you. So we have, you know, a decent amount on our uh, docket here. We had uh, a few, uh, one significant RPG release this week. If you can, I guess you can kind of count, count it. Um, we do have uh, one uh, forbidden game, according to Steam, that uh, we can that we're going to talk about here, and um, and Capcom's newest release, which is not an RPG, but it looks like a cool, t- fun time that I played some of the open beta on. So we'll, uh, I'll talk to James about that in a in a bit, good bit. So. First up, uh, it's a game you've been playing for quite a bit, uh, Adam. It is Jagged Alliance 3. And this is the first new mainline Jagged Alliance game in 10 million years. Seems Tell like us about it. it. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, if you're not familiar, Jagged Alliance... Uh, actually, I guess, let me start with this. I am probably not the best person to talk about this game or this series because I've never actually played an entry in it before. Um, I am familiar with Jagged Alliance 2, which came out like 20 years ago. I think it was like mid-2000s, maybe like 19 years ago. And um, it was a PC game that kind of became popular in that realm, like PC gamers, tactical RPG, kind of a tactical, you know, tactics tactics game. And there's been a couple of spinoffs since then, but as I understand it, none of them were really well-received. They're all, you know, mixed at best in terms of receptions and people who like the series were just like, well, let's just, just play Jagged Alliance 2. And then a couple of years ago, THQ Nordic announced Jagged Alliance 3. Like, and they kind of literally said in their press releases, forget about all those spinoffs. This is a real follow-up. So, you know, they're, they were kind of aware that Jagged Alliance 2 was the one that people liked, and the other ones were the ones that people didn't like, and so they wanted this one. Yeah, from, from my follow-up. memory, yeah, I, from my memory, I played on like it you know, very way back when I played a little bit of the first Jagged Alliance and the second one. I, I was never really like super into them, but they were like kind of a somewhat of a novelty at a time because they were kind of like a grounded isometric strategy game. It, it, it's sort of like you, you, it was like a point and click sort of like you you could you have a squad. And then you kind of maneuver them around with, uh, it was primarily on PC. So it was like point and click them to like, you know, uh, take a a cover uh, against like this oncoming like enemy squad. And then order them to shoot. And then sort of like you're manipulating each of these individual troops to sort of formulate a strategy to overcome like, you know, um, you know, basic objectives. Yeah. And I, I, let me correct myself. It looks like Jagged Alliance 2 actually originally released in 1999 and it had a few, uh, like expansions up to the mid 2000s. So a little bit older than I thought even. 
So yeah, this is the first numbered Jagged Alliance game in 24 years, I guess. I think in a way, like I think your perspective on it is valuable too, because I'm sure a lot of people going to this are like never have played a, a previous Jagged Alliance game. They might be looking going to like, hey, this looks cool. They don't really make these kinds of games like anymore. Um, I think in a way, I think a newcomer's perspective is probably you know pretty valuable here. And like just like from an outsider's perspective that you've never engaged with the series before like what did you think yeah so i've played a handful of tactical rpgs with that sort of xcom like system I, I i really like wasteland 3 which has that sort of system uh i played miasma chronicles and reviewed it earlier this year which has that sort of system so i know i knew jagged alliance at least in terms of its direct you know like combat system is similar to that you know you have you have Basically, a variety of different type of weapons, guns, basically, and there's some melee stuff too, with different sorts of ranges and ammunition and effects and things like that. You have cover, you know, line of sight, those sorts of things. Pretty typical stuff for that sort of tactical RPG. And I had enjoyed those sorts of games. So when Jagged Alliance is rolling around, I wasn't Jagged Alliance three. I wasn't originally planning on playing through it, but. It actually landed at a pretty decent time, kind of in the middle of July. Things have slowed down a little bit in the genre, finally. I'm like, you know what? Let me try it out. I like these sorts of games. I know this is a little different, so let me let me see what it's all about. So to set the stage, uh, this game is set in the year 2001, and it's got like a user interface to kind of match that. It's actually kind of fun. Uh, especially if you're a grognard like me with like this old like almost mm-hmm. like old school typeface old school buttons it's yeah uh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a rougher ui sort of like it, it like by today's standards like everything is a very clean ui but this was like more of a rugged jagged sort of no yeah. no pun intended yeah like there, there's actually like literally like emulated like websites that you visit to like hire your mercenaries and things like that that look oh, like they're great. out of the early 2000s yeah and there's kind of a weird nostalgia there like i remember when websites used to look like this um so the game itself it has the sort of tone where there is a story behind the game but it's kind of there's actually a disclaimer at the beginning of the game that basically says i don't have it in front of me but what it basically says is uh the, the original jagged alliance when it came out in the 90s was poking fun at action movies and stereotypes at the time so this game is similar in that regard in that the characters that you recruit and a lot of like the characters you meet and the tonality of the game is everything is very exaggerated. It's mm-hmm. not, uh, it's not a super serious game. Um, there are maybe serious moments, but it's kind of cartoony in that sense. Uh, all the different characters you can recruit are kind of stereotyped. I don't think any of it is like mean spirited or insulting or anything like that. But like, for example, one of the characters you can recruit is a guy whose nickname is steroid. And he is basically an Arnold Schwarzenegger wannabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. And does it have uh, Sylvester Stallone? No. Uh, as you say that, it actually does kind of remind me of like the Expendables movies. I've only seen the first uh, one, but yeah, it's yeah. kind of like you know, kind of a callback to like cheesy Act, like, action superstars. Yeah, uh, yeah old. Like yeah, exaggerated it's kind of the like retired veterans group of action heroes. Yeah, like exaggerated characters. So like these aren't grounded, believable characters. They're all cartoons, basically. Uh, there's that character. There's my medic slash sniper was a woman who basically everything she said was a sexual innuendo. Uh, there was a 
one of the guys who's on your team is sort of like a gangster black guy, very stereotyped. And it's one of those things where I don't think the game, I think the game is kind of self-aware enough that it's not actually, none of these stereotypes are like insulting. It's just kind of like, okay, these characters are, they're not meant to be believable, like grounded characters. They're all just very strange, eccentric mm-hmm. units that you join your team. There was a woman who on my on my squad who uh, believed in things like luck and curses a bunch. So oh, would, always, yeah. would always mutter things about like lucky, uh, you know, things that would affect her luck or or if she missed it was just because the fate wasn't uh, on her side that day or or whatever. Um, there, I had another woman who was basically like uh, she was kind of like a redneck potty mouth sort of character, just kind of like swore like like a sailor at everything. And then I had a uh, my last character on my squad was like a he was a like a Russian bomb demo, demolitionist, but he was also a very heavy Christian. So it was sort of <laughs> sort of amusing in that every time he like blew something up, he was just like may may the Lord save your souls as he's like exploding everything in a very very thick stereotyped Russian accent. So that's kind of the tone of the game, uh, and it's very evident early on. So it's kind of fun, but you really can't take it seriously. Uh, yeah. Like I said, think like Expendables movies. The first, there's even a disclaimer that says it's basically poking fun at those sorts of action movies uh, of the day. So it is a tactical RPG, and I should also mention that some of these characters I gather are actually basically pulled from earlier games. Also, so some of these characters I mentioned you may be already aware of or familiar with. I can't say if they're really any different than they were before, but I gather some of them are basically borrowed from from earlier games again. And then there's new characters as well. So it is a tactical RPG. And I gather that it actually is more RPG than maybe some of the spinoffs that came out in more recent years. In that uh, there are levels, there are perks, there are stats. Every character has you know a variety of stats. There are side quests, there are uh, numbers everywhere. So it really is an RPG in that sense, but it does also lean heavily tactical. So outside of the uh, outside of the XCOMish combat, you get a a world map, and the world map is basically a grid. It's it, it almost feels like almost something like Risk or uh, like a Risk board game or something, where there's different sections on the map that you can enter and uh, basically control as under your you know under your control, and then there's uh, all the enemy locations that you can visit under their control, and your part of the game when you're outside of combat is basically, you know, moving around this sort of world map and and, pl- and placing, you know, sections under your control. And when sections are under your control, you can access more quests. There are diamond mines, which when you control these areas, they give you money. And this sort of game is the sort of game when you're starting out, you have no money, you have a couple of mercs, you have no weapons, you kind of suck at everything. So you kind of have to slow go starting out. Uh, you, you, you can't take on a lot of enemies at once. You can't just go rushing in head, head, you know, headstrong. Uh, so you, you kind of have to like slowly manage your resources, gain your resources, gain money, hire new mercs, get more weapons, get more ammo. And uh, so there's a little bit of a learning curve and kind of a, a gradual you know, acclimation to the game as you're starting out because starting out you're not a very good mercenary unit. I should at this point basically say the, the the overall premise of the game, it's pretty standard, but it works well enough. 
So you're on a uh, hypothetical set of islands called Grand Chien, and the president of this nation has been kidnapped by basically a marauder group. And Uh-oh. you meet the president's daughter who basically has hired you and kind of other mercenaries to save her dad, the president, and basically put down the uh, fires of a looming civil war in this sort of island nation. And so that's the general premise. There are actually some like twists and turns to that. So it's not as straightforward as that premise might seem uh, in terms of allies and who's on what team and what are, what are everyone's goals in this different chess match here? How is that um, story presented? Are there like full on cutscenes or is it no, like mostly dossiers? Not cutscenes. It's basically like it's it's almost like visual novel style, only Western aesthetic, where you have okay. character portraits and dialogue, and um, it it actually almost looks like that uh, Expeditions Rome game that uh, came out last year. That oh, Ryan okay, was pretty yeah, fond yeah. of. Uh, oh. It's actually like photorealistic people that you meet. Uh, giving the story and so you literally will enter a section of the map and some of them are like wasteland wilderness swamp type areas and some of them are cities and these cities will have npcs in them it's at that point feels like a like a classic crpg where you can talk to people they might have you know quests things like that and sometimes you can solve them just by various dialogue options your different characters have different uh Stats, like, for example, one of my characters had a high leadership stat, and there are certain uh, quests, basically it's almost like a dice roll. Like, if you have a high enough leadership, you can you can maybe access certain dialogue options over others. I had one, of my, one of my characters, the uh, potty mouth uh, southern woman, was had a high... One of their perks or one of their traits was that they were a psycho, so there are certain psycho... Uh, dialogue options they got access to that sometimes acts allow for various things. Um, and then there's other other stats like explosives and marksmanship and medic medical that certain dialogue options might require certain stats like that. So it is felt very much like a classic computer RPG in that sense. All those stats also have a function outside of dialogue, pretty obvious. Marksmanship is how good your aim is. Medical is how well you can heal people. Leadership is how well you can train militias which i make it to in a second and explosives is how well you can mix create web create bombs and disarm bombs things like that and there's actually a, some of the questing is actually pretty uh thorough and varied in terms of what they ask you to do sometimes you have to go to different locations to access different like dungeon type areas where there might be a, a certain location like an abandoned you know, building that's being overrun that you need to free. Uh, there's this one whole quest line that involves this rabies outbreak, this red rabies outbreak that you need to find a cure for that I won't get into more than that. Uh, one of the f- most memorable quests is you're at a port city, and the port city is about to be attacked by marauders. They basically learned that these marauders are coming. And so in the port city, there's this old gang of grandmas that are called the coffee beans. They're a, okay. gang, they're a gang of grandmas. Oh, they're I re- dig it. They're retired, and uh-huh. you basically have to recruit them to defend the city. That's and awesome. So, like, there's, like, five old ladies of various personality types and whatnot. Uh, the main one is just kind of like a, almost like a crotchety jerk uh, smoking a cigarette, just kind of like, I don't want anything to do with anything sort of thing. 
And you basically have to do a couple of various things to convince these grandmas, these old ladies, to basically get the band back together to defend their city. And then in that quest battle that comes up later, they will literally join your team and kind of help you out as sort of a, an ally force. So that was fun. You know, again, very, very uh, over the top, very silly in a sense, but kind of cool in the, in, the, in the actual mechanics and how it works in terms of like, you, you don't have to recruit these people. You can probably you can probably ignore their this quest entirely or do it on your own or, or what have you. Uh, when I actually did the quest, one of the grandmas died. I wasn't very oh, good no. at defending them. Uh, oh, so, um, but yeah, it's actually, a, honestly, my overall thoughts, it's a really solid game. It took me a while to get used to, you know, how to manage everything because there is a lot of management in terms of, like I said before, money, weapons, ammo, and all your character stats. Probably the most difficult part of the game for someone like me who is kind of new it new to the sort of tactical style was when you're on the world map there are enemy outposts where the enemy outposts every once in a while they will send a basically squad to take over one of your outposts so you can't just leisurely kind of roam the map and do whatever you will uh you kind of have to have a little bit of urgency and smart placement and whatnot where you have to defend your 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 location, the sectors that you own. And this is where it's maybe sort of like risk. Now, um, you can train militias to kind of defend cities while you're away from them because you can't be okay. everywhere at once. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if I trained my militias very well or if I didn't do it properly because they always seem to suck. Um, what I ended up doing was I was just like, man, these enemy outposts are annoying as hell. I'm just going to beeline to each one and take them out so that way they can't send anything. So it was kind of tough because I think I was taking some of them on earlier than I should have. Um, a lot of saving. But, 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 yeah, but George, like, uh, between short term and long term, like, do I really want to keep this? Thing yeah, I was here? basically like, if I can get over this hill of knocking out some of these outposts, then I can more leisurely explore because these outposts are no longer sending squads at me every five days or whatever it was. So now that I've kind of played through the game, I've beaten it. Uh, and have like a better understanding of, oh, here's exactly how things work and maybe what you should do starting out. Probably have an easier time going through it now. Uh, and also I kind of know which areas on the map are more hotly contested than others. Right. Um, but that was probably the one thing that was probably the most frustrating just because the game doesn't go, go light on you in terms of that sense. Eventually, eventually you do have, you, you know, this game is pretty long. I think it took me about 40 hours. Wow. Um, you know, halfway through the game, 20, 25 hours or so, you do eventually get to a point where you have plenty of money, almost more than you know what to do with. You, you've, you've gathered a stockpile of medicine and am, ammo and things like that, where it's, and, and your characters have leveled up a bit, that taking on squads and defending bases and taking out outposts are all much more manageable than they are at the start. But overall, uh, like I said, it's a really solid game. I am going to review it for the site. I haven't yet. I just beat it yesterday and kind of have some preliminary thoughts. But I'll write up a review and post it. I'm glad I played it. It's you know it's a very you know for tactical fans, uh, it's an interesting game. It's got, it leans a little bit more tactical than RPG, but it's got plenty of RPG elements. Um, the review embargo has has dropped, and I think the game is released as of yesterday. Yeah. And seems like the reception is pretty good. You know, it 
seems like it's a just going on very broad general consensus. It seems like it's a worthy follow up to two. It seems like people are generally pretty positive on it. Um, I'm sure there's some bugs and launch things that they're ironing out. Uh, I ran into a few like text glitches and a couple times like I'd open a menu and it would be empty and I'd have to close and reopen it and then it would be filled in. So you know a couple of small little things. Um, there are a couple of components of the game that I haven't looked into that might be super cool depending on how you play these games. Uh, it has full mod support. So oh, probably okay. I'm, I'm imagining people making their own campaigns or quest lines or characters or whatever um, to do that. And also there is a co-op mode. Like you can play this game in co-op. And oh, that's I interesting. don't quite know how that works, but there's, you know, obviously during the review period, I couldn't do that. But yeah. there's a whole, you know, co-op option that maybe if you have a friend who plays these sorts of games, you can play it together and maybe it's, you know, 100% better or more fun if you do it that way. I want to play this. This sounds really, sounds really, really neat. I'm glad that they kind of, it seems like they weren't kidding. They said, hey, we're really going to commit to making it like a worthy follow-up to the mainline Dragon Alliance game. And it seems like they pretty much knocked it out of the park. There's... I believe only available on PC and with no yeah, it's other a, announced Yeah, it's it's right? a it's a it's PC exclusive. Um I honestly couldn't imagine playing this game with like a controller. You know, it's a mouse and keyboard game. Uh yeah. and uh probably worth mentioning that this game is developed I'm probably gonna mispronounce their name. Uh let me get it let me get the name in front of me here. It's a Bulgarian studio. Uh Heimemont Games. I might have mispronounced that. They're the they're the studio behind like the Tropico series, which is, as I understand it, sort of like a a nation's you know civilization management sort of game. So yeah. it's sort of similar. You can you can see where there's maybe some connective tissue between a game like that and more of a tactics game like this. Um, and I you know I always find that kind of interesting. Like oh, this is developed by a studio in Bulgaria. I don't think I've ever played a Bulgarian RPG before, and. Uh, but they're 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 well they're well regarded. I mean, like that people really like the Tropico series, so uh, yeah. it's glad that like their shift, like mm-hmm. something like a like a way different genre, like probably not their first primary ex- uh, area of expertise, and they've seemed to really just done a really good job. Yeah. Also, the music is pretty solid uh, in this nice. game. There's actually even a couple of. Um, so I'm I'm not the best person to talk about this, but uh, the game is set in a. It's it's like a it's like a not African island, so on and so forth. But like when talking about the music, I, I was looking at the credits, and they even uh, had some like South African musicians and singers uh, taking pay, uh, taking you know part in the game and creating some of the music. There's some vocal themes that you hear in the game, so on and so forth. And then there's the, a Bulgarian composer, I think. That did some of the other tracks, and it, it's, you know, I think it's actually pretty well done. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good attention to detail. It kind of it gives you like a more authentic feel to it, and like especially from like you know, from if you haven't really played much of these games, and like you're kind of going into it, it's like it it sounds novel, it feels novel, it's something memorable. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But yeah, if you like tactical RPGs, try it out. Um, if you are like me, and you maybe have played some, but not a lot. Uh, just I guess be aware that like the first couple of hours, you know, just there's a little bit of an acclimation period, but otherwise, yeah, I think it's a really solid game. So I'm glad what? I played. I'm glad I kind of decided. We basically got like the uh, from the from the from the PR, we got like the uh, 
the review sort of like offer like hey do you guys want to review this game and we weren't i wasn't really planning on it and i was just like actually you know what why not let me try it out and i'm kind of glad i did so nice all right that's uh, that's sweet i do want to get around to it uh, that uh, sounds like definitely up my alley especially that it's more like an rpg slant to it i you know why not okay uh next we have a forbidden game uh, according to you, Steve. might as well just uh, kind of yeah. like for the preamble now. I, I mean, uh, yeah, like uh, James has been checking out the the PC release of uh, Dungeon Travelers Two, and I know on uh, the recently Dungeon Travelers Two Two was also recently released on uh, PC. Uh, these uh, titles are both available via Joran on Steam. Uh, and earlier this week, we did get um, word from the publisher Shiravune that uh, they did submit these two titles to Steam to, in, in hopes that they could get it released on there to a wider audience, and uh, they let everyone know via social media and through the uh, email, press email, that, like, yeah, we were, the, the Steam uh, Valve basically uh, denied our requests, and they won't, we won't be revisiting, you know, this again. So there are, th- those Steam versions are effectively canceled. So but, there's yeah. a few layers to this. First off... Um... So obviously that piece never came out, but uh, when Chaos Head was briefly banned on Steam, I did some research and other games were banned, and we knew basically last year that Dungeon Travelers 2 had been submitted and had been banned because of uh, the way that SteamDB works. The web assets for games that have been banned will get uploaded, and so we knew that that game had been submitted and banned like as far back as like last February. Not this February, but like last February or something like that. And I reached out to Shervin at the time because we didn't know who had actually like uh, like we could guess, but we didn't know who was actually working on it. And now that it's all official, I can just say the reason they didn't say anything then is that, quite frankly, for a lot of these smaller publishers, they rely on Steam because Steam is basically the only game in town. And sure, it doesn't help that Joran is a DRM platform and has some pretty draconian DRM stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is that the VN, like, reading audience, it's not even just about that, or, like, even the dungeon RPG audience. Yes, there's a certain contingent of people that will buy that game regardless of what, like, PC platform it ends up on. But that group is so small and if it was just that group buying that game it would not recoup the costs so for all of these like uh, publishers not just shiraboon but like the smaller ones like jazz usa manga gamer seikai project if one of their titles gets banned on steam that is essentially a death knelt ensuring that basically ensuring that they will not recoup their costs they will not they will lose money on that project yeah, for sure. I mean, the, and the, the reason it, why um, Chiravune didn't say anything until recently is because they have other projects. They recently announced White Album, and that's coming on Steam at least for now. Like they didn't want to rock the boat and potentially put a, par- a target on their backs for for later releases. Obviously, now uh, it seems like they have ro- they have uh, done some calculus and they're like, no, we actually do want to make a statement on this, and they have. Um, and so Dungeon Travelers 2 and 2-2 are both, I'll just be blunt, they're very risque uh, uh, dungeon RPGs. They are very fan servicey. There is definitely elements of them that I personally do not like. 
But, and it's like both of those games were console exclusives. These PC versions, which came out last month, those were not the original releases. The original releases were approved by Sony for release physically on the PlayStation Vita. And I think for Dungeon Travelers 2, it even got a PSP release. I think back in those days, I think Sony was a lot, lot more lenient. Yes, yes. Uh, just, That's just, true. Just a side note, I do remember when the localized version of Dungeon Travelers 2 came out, Atlas had to edit four images uh, for the localized the, version, and I remember people obviously threw a fit, but yeah. I think I think Shiroon even said the PC port is based on that version. So it like, is. Those, it first, is. Those, those, those four images are still edited and it was still banned from Steam. So whatever they yeah, were, I don't even, even know what they were. But even even though this same version of the game, the same assets, everything, maybe they did an extra editing pass on the translation. They probably did. Everything like from the content is the same as the Vita release, which was rated by the ESRB and got a physical release in the States. I'll just be blunt, like, I don't like aspects of this game. I think it's kind of gross, even though I'm playing through it, and as a dungeon RPG, it is pretty good. What the fuck, Valve? The fact that, like, as far as I can tell, this is so arbitrary. You see shit on Steam, like, literally every day that is, like, what, like, explicitly porn, Uh, way more, like, out there. How many Steam titles have the word hentai in them, you know? yeah. It's like, regardless of my personal feelings on this specific game, it's like, it's obvious to say, hey, there's some weird sort of double standard going on, and there's very clearly inconsistency with how, like, Valve decides what can release on Steam and what can't. Like, I am, like, I'm looking at Steam right now, and there's a new release uh, called Succubus Prison. And I always always get sex with Hitler prompted by Steam Pete. I don't know how that shit gets a That's an entire series that's allowed to continue releasing on... It's just... There is so much that's just like, man, it's... I, I think the luck of the draw on who reviews your game. That's, that's I, all I, it is. It's yeah, like... When I, yeah, and one thing I saw in my, like, uh, Twitter replies when I, like, quote-tweeted the Shiragune announcement, basically saying, hey, this is messed up. Uh, apparently, one of the things that people have noticed now, and I, again... This is just a random person on Twitter, but it sounds plausible enough. I can actually believe it. They said the current meta now is to re- uh, is to submit your game as Chinese only, so you ensure that the person that reviews it is only one like from a specific pool of reviewers. That way, it gets approved. Then you can add English later. Yeah, it's it's really weird because like in in some aspects. Like you, like you know, Chow and James were saying that, like, yes, it depends not only on the person that you get, but you're relying on like an independent party's like moral values almost, or like uh, as arbitrary as that sounds. You're relying on their moral values for for a pass fail, uh, uh, rather than relying on like a, a standard policy for this sort of thing to adhere to. I think that's that's so weird to go on how to go about like how you do these types of things. So anyways, uh, I've been playing through the PC version. Uh, Shiravoon did send me a copy. I've been, like, despite, like, again, like I said, I do have some issues uh, with the fans stuff. 
just in case people aren't aware, these games are available on PC through the Jorun client. Yes. Yeah. So yes. when he says PC version, that's what he means. It's not on Steam, but you can get them on a different client. Yeah. 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 If you're willing to deal with the DRM stuff, and it it's it's a good port. Like, I mean, it's it's a dungeon RPG. There's like, regardless of if like the options or whatnot or lack thereof, it's like it's functional. Gamepad and like gamepad support works perfectly fine. It's like for a lot of people that had been specifically wanting Dungeon Travelers two and two dash two. On PC and and two dash two's case in English, it's like though, both of those are available. I'm hoping it's, they come to other platforms. Like you know, hopefully they explore like like uh, GOG for example. I know they're starting to release or, or Jazz like, or something because I know yeah. Jazz has this storefront. It's like the main problem a lot of people are having right now is specifically well, well twofold: the DRM. Uh, I am led to believe that if it wasn't for the DRM in this release, it would actually run perfectly on Steam Deck. I'm led to believe. Uh, yeah. So so that's like one thing where it's like, okay, if you can get it on another platform, maybe you'd be able to play it on Steam Deck, even if it's not available on Steam. You'd have to obviously set it up yourself. But it's like, it's just, Joran itself, like I have, like before now I hadn't used it. And it's like, man, this is, I can see why people don't really like it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's just very, very, like, awkward to use, and it has this weird thing where it's like, okay, so you have to activate it on, uh, you have five activations, and once you've used all five activations, uh, unlike, uh, for example, um, Denuvo, where it's like you have five activations within, or like a, the, the developer sets the number of activations within a 24-hour period, and then after that, you're locked out from activating it on any other platforms for 24 hours on Joran, you have five activations period. Once you run out of activations, if you want to install it on a different PC, you need to buy it again. Ugh. So it's, it's rough. It's That's rough. Bad. And again, I'm not going to blame Chiravune for this. Cause I understand like Joran's like a DMM games launcher, which is their parent company from what I understand. And it's like, they tried to release it on steam and the fact that it's not on steam is not on them. It's on valve. Right. And I'll just say it again. If you are upset with this, talk to valve, reach out okay. to valve. Like, and like, we know that they listen or at least they listen. If the, if the uproar gets loud enough, cause that's what happened with chaos head. And I think this is very explicitly a situation where it's justified to get angry and like make us think about it. But yeah, Anyways. I mean, and, 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 and like it's one of those things that like since there pre- since, since there's precedent, like there's a chance that it'll work, right? Like it, like the chaos heads like uh, thing is just like that's kind of what happened. It was there was like a one to one correlation of like because there was enough uproar about it from the public. They just did it, you know. They just kind of let it let, let it slide and like released it. So, like they, you know, the, it it worked before, might work again. You know? Yeah, yeah. But anyways, the game itself. Uh, Adam, have you played uh, Dungeon Travelers two before? No, I'm, not, I'm asking. I I I play a lot of dungeon RPGs, but I will say the skeevy elements of this are just kind of a turn off for me. Yeah. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So it's. It's a perfectly good dungeon RPG outside of those elements. Uh, it has a lot of... Uh, it's one of those dungeon RPGs where it's very equipment-based. Like, um, 
to be clear, you do not buy any equipment. You just uh, find unidentified stuff in dungeons or as drops from, like, enemies, and then you pay a fee to identify them. And it can be just, like, as simple as a base-level weapon or armor piece or accessory. It can maybe be one that has a plus, like, be augmented, so it's, like, plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four, et cetera, et cetera. It could have a specific, like, attribute to it. For example, like, there's, like, leather mail, and then there's, like, damning leather mail. And what damning leather mail is is it just gives you additional, like, water resistance and stuff like that. So a lot of the game, it's it's very similar to, like, Stranger of Sword City in that regard, where a lot of your playtime for, like, building your party is going to be finding these equipment drops and hoping you get what you want. <laughs> Which a lot of people aren't going to be a fan of that, especially with how streamlined a lot of modern, like, dungeon RPGs are. Even, like, the more complicated ones like Labyrinth of Refrain, Labyrinth of Galeria, it's like, that's less of a focus, I'd say. Um, but, uh, I'm enjoying it so far. It's, again, the port's good. Basically, it's, like, if, if you were hoping to play this on PC, it's available now. I have not started 2-2 yet. Uh, get back to me in a few weeks. <laughs> but we'll... Yeah, those are long games. I hear they're pretty yeah. beefy. Yeah. Okay. But, but, yeah. James, you've also been checking out another title this week that recently came out. It's not an RPG, but it's also something that I have a I had a passing curiosity on uh, when I played this open beta. Uh, it's Exo Primal from Capcom. It is that that game that sort of looks like Dino Crisis, but not really. It Summoning is, raptors. <laughs> it, it is. There's Chansey the Cloud of Raptors. There's a dinosaur weather broadcast element to it. So, for my player of the beta, it is. You're basically going. It's like a. It's kind of like a PVEVP where there are like there's two teams of like live players going up against each other. It's like I think five, uh, five or six play, uh, players going up against 5v5. each other. Five v five. Yeah, five v five. Um, you have like these exo suits that have different abilities, and you have your standard rules of tank, DPS, and healing to some extent, or support uh, in these uh, yeah, uh, squads of five. And then so at the, the first phase when like a match starts. Like you, it's kind of almost like a race of like who's killing dinosaurs the fastest. You're kind of going about like this, traversing this map, and you uh, run across like, these waves of dinosaurs, these clusters, and then where you like kind of beat up these dinosaurs as fast as you can. And then if like the teams are close enough and like in sort of like mission progress, uh, there's a chance that like they'll meet each other in combat. That's what I. They will almost always remember. meet each other in combat. Okay, so uh, t- tell me about it. So, this is kind of a hero shooter and kind of like a Left for Dead type situation where it's like obviously hordes of rap instead of zombies, hordes of like different dinosaurs. Uh, one thing I did not expect from this uh, going in is that there is actually a sort of RPG progression system to the exosuits. Uh, the more you use them, the more you level them up, which unlocks the ability to buy these modules, which are like stat buffs. And then you can level up the modules. So, for example, the healer that I like to use, Witch Doctor, uh, has this um, like healing kind of whip thing that you can you can send at somebody to like heal them. You can unlock a module that will add an additional like modifier to it that anyone that you heal with it will also get like a huge buff to their like damage output for like okay. a s- small period of time. So you can choose to slot that. You have like up to three different module slots and then you can level these up so it's like for example 
you can make that like last longer, be more effective. Uh, for the main, um, for the main like kind of DPS one with the like uh, machine gun, you can get a uh, module that makes it so that the longer you're shooting at a target, like eventually it will buff the damage that you're putting out. So instead of, for example, let's say the base damage against a specific dinosaur, like with each shot is 20. Uh, You can buff it up to the point where it'll be an additional 20% damage. So like if you're shooting at it after a few seconds, it'll be instead of 20 damage per shot, it'll be like 24. And you can also get stuff like a modifier for your grenade launcher where it's like, Instead of it shooting in an arc, it is like a straight line, and it can go farther. Okay. Uh, you can also there's like all sorts of little things, and there's very much since it's very quick to switch between these exosuits in the middle of like uh, a middle of a round. Sometimes it would be like, okay, we don't really need a tank for this one because we're like trying to kill as many of these enemies as possible. And it's maybe more important that we just have the firepower to deal with it and, like, a healer or two. So you can just switch in the middle of uh, combat to to kind of um, better match up with the with whatever objective you're doing for each, like, like sub-objective during, like, a match. Yeah, it's like, it's like the objective, like, evolves over th- throughout the match, too, because, like, it, she starts out, like, you killing dinosaurs. Then eventually it'll start to, like, converge to, like, a, like sometimes a payload sort of situation. I know in like the the beta that I was playing there's also like this uh, there's like there's like a, a a person designated as like wielding like this sort of hammer mount weapon. Yes. Yes. Like you have to protect. Uh and then that's gonna be worth a certain amount of points as well. Um and yeah, so and, forth. And then like um one of the things I've noticed that a lot of people have been saying in like Steam reviews is that oh there's not a lot of uh, enemy variety and there's not a lot of mode variety and I can understand why people come across like feel that way. The problem is is that because of that like RPG progression type system I was talking about, the game doesn't want to throw you at these like stronger dinos and like more demanding objectives immediately. They want to ease you in. So they want to like they're not going to start sending you at those objectives until you've done like at least like 10 matches because they want to make sure that you know what you're doing and that you've progressed your mains enough that you're a bit stronger than when you started. So you're prepared for those tougher um, dinosaurs, tougher objectives. You understand how the game is played. So you'll see some people that are saying, oh, I've played for like three or four hours. Every match is the same. And it's not that they're wrong, but like almost it's like that one meme of the guy like in the mines. And it's like, you see one guy like walking away and then another guy like going right at it. And like the guy walking away is like right next to the jackpot. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think the yeah, it seems like the there's I think the primary flaw of of the game so far, at least with the early game um, that I've been seeing, is that like the on ramping to that content is pay, maybe a little bit too slow. So people yeah. like, um, like a lot of people don't get to like kind of tap out because like it, it's kind of like almost borderline unreasonable to to, ha- to tell people, hey, please wait three to four hours to see the rest of the game to vary it up, right? It's not it's like it's like comparing it to like. Imagine if Counter Strike or Valorant um, started off people with like the, these like you know uh, the teams facing off against each other, but the only things they could buy in the shop is only like a, like maybe five guns, and, and like and it's only like maybe you only see two or three of their maps, and then they're gonna wait. You know you have to level up 
you know, your account or your like your your character in like Counter Strike or Valorant for like three to four hours to see like the rest of the guns and the rest of the maps. I uh, that, that's sort of the where I draw that comparison of that. Like for me, it's like if you if you kind of get through it like within thirty to forty five, but it's even an hour. Um, and then you open that up, I think that would be a much more reasonable ask than like having people kind of grind towards that. In the, on, sort the of like same, a- on the same token, I actually do agree with their choice to be, to make it be a bit slower paced because it is a, it, it is a bit of a complicated like gameplay loop and it takes a while for you to, for it to really click and it won't be for everyone, but I, I'll just say I'm enjoying this like a lot. That's and, like, there's also yeah. like some like uh, the way the story itself is like surprisingly interesting. Like I tweeted out something where it's like it's like it's it's kind of political, <laughs> like in, in an interesting way because there's like um this very like the the basically it, what's the best way to to sum up the story? Uh, you crash land on this uh, fictional like um. Pacific Island uh, called Bikatoa, and it's very clearly meant to be like, 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 yeah, Pacific Island coded, like Hawaii, like all that sort of stuff, where it's like, this is an island with a lot of culture that was basically colonized, and the indigenous people were basically locked out, and it was used as some tech bros, like, project to do something that was very clearly not thought through like thought through the there were whistleblowers saying hey this is a problem you need to you need to put pump the brakes on this and they went they went forward anyways and everyone else had to suffer for the results and there's like the way the story is told in this game is every few matches you'll get cutscenes, but you'll also get data logs which you can read and it's like the sort of exchange between these two characters and like dropping some lore or info about the game world and one of the ones i found last night was just uh, straight up talking about how there were pro like originally when the island was basically taken over by this corporation, sold to corporate interests. There were like protests. Well, there was there was um, at first like the like indigenous like um, people tried to like bargain to like get their land back, and then they protested and they just outright said, "Oh yeah," and these protests like uh, these uh, police forces, which were recruited by these companies, uh, used uh, rubber bullets and water cannons, which. Uh, Killed several uh, protesters, left many of them wounded, and like over a hundred of them were arrested. Just straight up saying, "Yeah, this is a thing that happened," and uh, the characters that were reading over this just outright say, "Yeah, they got fucked over. This is messed up." So it's hmm. like, so it's interesting just seeing this stuff evolve like throughout the story. And it's like, I, I'm again, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I don't know how how like many like most people are gonna like it, but yeah, I'm really liking this. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like for me, it it like I I am like in a really I'm I'm like the worst person to like I'm interested in the game. I want to try it out, but there's a fatal flaw in all this. Is I I would have to you know like pay pay paying the 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 paying for the game doesn't bother me, but I would be going on the, getting it on Steam, and all my other friends are playing it on Game Pass. And one of the fatal flaws that they've done at this launch is it's, I I really do not understand, and it sucks, um, is... There is they, 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 Yeah, but... there is cross-play, but they don't support uh, cross-parties right now, meaning that I couldn't be... Uh, my friends and I wouldn't be able to party up with each other, because they're all on ga- game, uh, game Pass, but since I'm on Steam, I can't even get into, like, a party with them 
to go search and, for matches. And I understand why you don't want to use the Microsoft Store because there is some sore history there. So. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I can't I can't bring myself to do it again. So yeah. it's just like it, it sucks because like I if I if I play this, of course I'm going to play with friends. I just don't want to always play with random people. Um, but they're all on Game Pass, and I, if I can't party up with them, then what's the fucking point? You know. So it's. Uh, you know, it's uh, if they get cross parties running ASAP, as in like within you know the next few days, then I'll start considering it like seriously again. But at this point, man, that's that's a really bad way to to launch a game. It's like you're gonna advertise crossplay, but you can't have people party with their friends if they're on different platforms. It's like okay, then what's the fucking point? You know, <laughs> that's kind of the reason. You know, one of the primary reasons you would want crossplay <laughs> in my mind. So. That's uh that sucks. That's uh that's a really I wish that was higher on their priority list uh before launch, you know. Yeah. What can you do at this it, point? I'm just glad that they know that this is something that people care about now so that whenever the next Monster Hunter comes out they'll know, hey, <laughs> don't do that. Uh can you imagine if they uh, if they launched the next Monster Hunter without crossplay or didn't allow you to fucking get into a party cross platform? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. fuck. But any, and the thing that's like baffling about this is that we literally just had Street Fighter Six release, and you can just like add people to custom rooms regardless of the platform. So yep, it's like, it just work. Yep. Well, so it's I like, suppose they have a different ecosystem because they have CFN like Capcom. No, this is this is Capcom ID two. Yeah, that's just Capcom ID two. Yeah. Does it not work? That's so it, 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 the crossplay works like playing with like playing against other people from other platforms works. Yeah. yeah, matchmaking. But but if you want to party up with people to play together and they're on different platforms, it does not work right now. And I don't I, like they, they said. I don't know. Like it should be. I imagine they're just pla- They're trying to get. Uh, they're trying to get on that ASAP. I imagine. I don't like. I haven't really kept that if they're like it's in the cards or not. Yeah, they said they're investigating it. Like, let's oh see God. if I can find the exact tweet. You know how this goes, Shao. If they're investigating it, they're fucked. It's going to be a while. <laughs> um, yeah, they also laid out, like, uh, they had, like, a live stream for it uh, before the game came out. They, they were, like, kind of laying out the roadmap. Of, like, trying to, like, you know, get get some confidence. Like, hey, this game will have legs, like, in, like, I think a season past... The season two, uh, like like later this fall, there's we Street Fighter Six collaboration, then like uh, early 2024, they're gonna collaborate with Monster Hunter, so you know, and then they're also planning like more end game activities and like uh like other variants to suit, so they have like a different like sort of move set or a remix to their move set or tool set, um, yeah. So I I I genuinely want to give it a shot, but I would I would only want to play it with friends, and they they need to. If they want to get more people on board, they, they, that that kind of game sort of needs a healthy, consistent population to make it work. You know, yeah, it'll be fine though because it's on Game Pass, so people like at least on that end will probably keep playing it. Um, also, I I do gotta wonder because like we don't know the exact numbers for like Game Pass deals, but we do know that like. Microsoft paid like CyberConnect to like several million dollars at minimum for Fuga one and two on Game Pass because that's how we know that that is uh, profitable for CyberConnect two uh, now and I guess that's a good segue for later but should have saved it uh, but um, 
This is a AAA release from a major AAA publisher that's day one on Game Pass. I would not be shocked if uh, the money they got from Microsoft immediately made this game profitable. Yeah, yeah I can say that. So, yeah. anyways, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm enjoying it. If you're at all interested in these types of games, I and you're listening to this, give it a shot. It's it's genuinely great. I can't guarantee you'll like it, but it's like it's worth trying. If you have Game Pass, download it, try it. You might oh, be surprised. I think I might be. I wasn't around here earlier, but can I ask one last question? Is there any Dino Crisis connection into this? No. Damn. We'll never get that. Conclusive ending. I mean, okay. It's like, to, to be fair, like the 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 story of like the first Dino Crisis is like okay, it has a pretty neat twist to it. The two, uh, the Dino Crisis two, okay, still fairly decent. Three man, okay. We the Dino Crisis three kind of fucking dog shit. Dude. It's stupid. Uh, <laughs> it killed the series, from what I heard. But I only play up to two, and I love two. Okay, two is, like, well, arcade... you should, yeah, you should go try out three and tell me if you want if you want a continuation of that. It's like what platform is on free is on again. I, I think it's just Xbox, the original Xbox. Damn, who even has the original Xbox these days? I don't know. Maybe for some like you know backwards compatibility. I don't know. Uh, the case of that is that was Jagged Alliance three, Dungeon Travelers two, and Exoprimal. Uh, moving on, uh, since you did mention CyberConnect two, you did uh, get up some interviews, uh, James, and then well, let's we'll hop to it. Like you got to interview. Uh, CyberConnect two. Uh, what, what, what do you what do you ask them? Uh, it was kind of like a almost like a follow up interview to the one I did with them in uh, 2019. Uh, basically, just talked about how hey, so how has like self publishing been going? How's every like basically? Yeah, the last the last time we, like we saw them like for an interview, it was like before they really like went on their like independent publishing journey with like uh, the first Fuga. Basically, because like you know, I, like like up, up until that point, they were very reliant on like the Naruto Ninja Storm series. They were uh, still developing that Demon Slayer uh, fighting game um, that other uh, Sega, and yeah, and they, and also they had Dragon Ball uh, games as well. So yeah, but how have the how has like this independent publisher like journey been going for them now that like we're a good chunk of years into it? Uh, they were very candid about how they were maybe a little underprepared for certain aspects of it, like having to deal with uh, marketing, uh, regional pricing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, very, not something that we needed to hear from them, something that's very easy to observe. But Yeah, so I mean, it's just, it's, it's to a, hear them admit it. Like it's to, a gigantic, it's a gigantic thing that they did, you know, it's like not only, not only just like going into fully independent publishing and taking over all those marketing Rights and regional price and having to consider regional pricing, but also they kind of went whole hog on like just releasing the, their like first title under it into like basically all platforms, you know. Yeah. And having to do that is all going to be a tricky task, especially when you're kind of do- doing it. You have to you have to put up like like so much money to like even just like start testing for that and prototyping it on like those platforms well, and making sure they run well. Well, for that, they they actually did say that that was like probably the easiest aspect of it because oh, they're it? already because okay. they're already a multi platform developer, so they already okay. had that framework in place for all that nice. testing on their end. Okay, uh, but but the publishing duties and all of that entail, they just outright said, "Yeah, we have a newfound appreciation for our publishers now," which is 
funny to hear them say. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, talked about, uh, just food one, two, one interesting thing from the interview, which, uh, Let's just put it this way. Like Fuga, like Fuga 1 had a secret movie that kind of teased like Fuga 2. And Fuga 2 has a secret movie that kind of teases a Fuga 3. Uh, from specifically my interview and like talking with them, it sounds like they are not actually sure if they're going to be making a Fuga 3 yet. Hmm. Which is interesting because the director of the first two games, which has left CyberConnect 2 now, did say, oh, Fuga's going to be a trilogy. It does make me wonder. And, like, they very, they stress very hard, oh, we have to consider the market, we have to consider the market. And it's like, to me, that says one thing. If they don't get a Game Pass deal for Fuga 3, or if they don't get, like, a guarantee from Microsoft that they, that they would be able to get, like, Game Pass money for it, it's just not going to happen, at least at this stage. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that sucks. But that, that that's kind of like in a like I, I in my mind, I thought that like development for the, the third one already started, and like and like uh, like I thought like you know the director left, but like there's some sort of protege to you know carry on uh, that development uh, and see it and see it through. But to, to hear that like proper development hasn't really started yet, it's like, huh, that's the that's a, that's a really weird timeline of events, right? Where you the director. The ex director now says, "Hey, it's going to be a trilogy," and they're really excited for the trilogy. And now they're just like, "Yeah, we don't know if we're going to do it." And it's like, that's. Uh, I I wonder what like uh what the circumstances were on like you know the the director leaving in the first place kind of leads into. Yeah, I have questions. Yeah, it, on de- it definitely gives you the impression that maybe it wasn't a fully like uh, happy departure. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, like, who, who it, it happens. Yeah, yeah, it goes on. Yeah. So, from the interview, they did actually say is that you remember how Fuga was originally announced as part of the trilogy of Vengeance, and that there was two other games, Cecile and Tokyo Ogre Gate. Yeah, Tokyo Ogre Gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those games are back in active development, and they said that we will have more to share soon. So okay. maybe TGS. Uh, it, it makes sense to me that maybe they're thinking, okay, we can it. They might return to Fuga in the future, but it definitely sounds like they want to get those other two games that they had briefly like done development on. It's like okay, I think that's the right call. I think they should give like you know they should really try to because you know like it gets it gets harder and harder to like market a new Fuga right because like yeah because like, nobody's gonna comes play, out. like who played Fuga two that didn't play Fuga one first like right. now it was less of an issue for that one since both of them are on Game Pass, but for Fuga three. They were probably rightfully thinking that if that, that doesn't get on Game Pass, what is the sales potential for that game? Especially if uh, the way that that secret movie in Fuga 2, like, it it makes it seem like any Fuga 3 would have to inherently be a bigger project. Right. Like, uh, an enhanced skill. So it's like... And they need to start thinking about, like, hey, well, like, what if, like, you're potentially missing, like, you know, another market here that, like... Who weren't really into Fuga, they want something like you know a new experience, and we gotta you know really go for that market again, you know, because uh, like like obviously there could just be inevitably some people who aren't weren't on board with Fuga, and they want to like they but but they're still waiting for the next thing CyberConnect Two comes out. They want something totally brand new that'll like cater maybe more to them. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. And I, I know last time I don't know if it was like a Famitsu interview 
there was some other interview where they said they started uh last time you heard about the other trilogy of vengeance titles i think one of them they started like uh uh prototyping that on like on a console like they finally got it up and running on a console build of that game so that was like uh, several months ago now so we'll, we'll see if it, we'll see if they have anything to show maybe at tgs like you said because that would be the next opportune time to show this to like a like you know a very a wide set of eyes no well, i'm looking forward to seeing what like cyber connect 2 does that's the, the, they're they're pretty creative and left to their own devices. They've shown. Um, you did another interview, and it was uh, a title that we've been uh, we discussed with our guest George Yang uh, a few uh, months back, and you've been playing through it weeks too. Back. Or yeah, months weeks back. What is time? Uh, you you did an interview about Master Detective Archives Rain Code, and you know you had uh, you guys spoke with Kazutaka Kadaka and the Spike Chinsoft the localization team. Uh, on this project. Yeah, it was uh, definitely an interesting interview. And uh, actually, uh, one of the uh, questions I asked and the answer I received uh, caused a little bit of a, not a stir, but a discussion on this um, market uh, focused um, forum that's kind of, that kind of spun off of Reset Era install base. Because, like, I asked about what it was like to develop a game for, like, the Switch, like, exclusively, and Kadaka just outright said, oh, yeah, like, developing for the Switch is difficult, and I think most developers would agree with me on that. And then, like, people were like, what? <laughs> so, uh, definitely uh, interesting oh. parts of that interview. Uh, also, I am kind of surprised that Spike Chunsoft was okay with me uh, put, um, like, publishing the fact that one of their folks from their localization side said that they had to crunch to get the simultaneous localization out on time. Oh, well, uh, I'm glad that they, that, you know, I mean, to, for, to provide context, this is one of those interviews, because sometimes, you know, interviews we're, we're, we're able to publish freely, but there are some interviews that you, you do at cons that are like, that, like it's kind of mandatory that the publishers you send uh, it, you send it over to them for, yeah, for, for them to okay it. And they okayed yeah. it. So it's like, Okay. Yeah. So, uh, like you know, th- th- those kinds of interview arrangements are always kind of weird and dicey. But I'm glad you were able to. They were able to like report on that, and uh, they allowed it. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of that sucks that you know crunch had to happen, but it it becomes unfortunately more and more normalized in this industry. I guess I guess awareness is the first step to potential change. Yeah, so... Pretty much. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're, they're taking steps there, you know, slowly but surely. You know, you had a. Uh, a union from Sega, you know, uh, officially come together and like you know get approved and everything. So you know, slowly but surely, like more and more parts of the industry are getting unionized, uh, and rightly so, uh, making sure the workers get properly compensated and treated fairly for the work that they put in uh, to game development. Which is once once again, this is not a this is a new not a new thing, but game development is a fucking nightmare process, no matter what. So uh, up and down the ladder. I mean, everywhere is having a strike right now. I mean, there's the entertainment with the writer's yeah. strike. Writer's strike, Sagaftra, you know, and the Starbucks uh, union. So, and have, rightly, have so, you, rightly so. Rightly have you so. heard what they were gonna do? It's it's pretty fucked up. They're trying to like starve the people going in strike so that they would run out of money and cave in. That's yeah, it's disgusting. Honestly, it's like, oh um, god. So, best of luck, you know, solidarity to all the workers trying to, you know, fight for their rights uh, for fair compensation. Keep on fighting a good fight, you know. You're in the right here. Um, 
other other uh, articles uh, that were recently published on our lovely site uh, page uh, got to review at, uh, Atelier Murray remake of the Alchemist of Salberg. This is the the remake of the first uh, Atelier game. Um, she seemed to like it. Uh, you know, she published her review, and it's a it's a it's a quaint little game. It, it does definitely have, from what I can uh, glean from the uh, review, like it does reintroduce back some of those more like time based uh, mechanics that like the Atelier series was heavily known for when it first started out. Like it gradually over time, they uh, let go of those like time uh, time restraints. But in this one, you know, they tried to uh, adapt this as faithfully as possible. And like, uh, kind of get players like um, informed of like where Atelier's roots uh, came from. So it sounds like read. they made a couple of adjustments, though, so it's not as uh, restrictive as it was originally. Yeah, which yeah, is you know I mean, probably I, fair. It's like we introduce it back, but you know a little bit lighter in terms of how much time ta- things take and whatnot. I, I don't have problem with time management in most of the games, but. The problem I really hate is like when you're playing Atelier um, Tatori, for example, there'll be like key events that happens in like different towns and you have no idea if it's there. So mm-hmm. it's like, and then you would have to spend two weeks to travel across the two towns and then you don't know if it's there or not. And it just become a nuisance to play. I don't think like, like time management is an issue to be general, usually, but if you don't know where the events are, and then you waste time trying to find them, then you're not going to have enough time to get the best results. Yeah, I, I think there's also also had some grievances with, like, it like has a shorter runtime than, like, modern Atelier games, so, like, uh, you know, and it's they're still charging for this full price. It's kind of like this, you know, the the, the length of experience compared to, like, the contemporary Atelier releases. I think it's, being, it's still being sold. I think the old games are supposed to be short, but they give you multiple endings, and you're supposed to take advantage of the new game plus to see to make it easier to get different endings. Usually, this was also the, the the this game also has I think like some sort of deluxe edition that like uh, there's some sort of like skew of this game where it has the original Atali Marie game that you could also original uh, play as well, right? Yeah, it's the uh, deluxe edition comes with Atelier Marie Plus, which is I think like. It's not the original version of the original game. It's like the second version of the original game, if that makes sense. Okay, and the, the, the do you know any of the, like the the enhancements that was put into it, like or no, not? Or I don't. Not. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm looking but at think... I'm looking at the Steam page for it. All it says is the original version Atelier Marie Plus will become available on the title menu. You can compare the original version with the remake and enjoy the atmosphere of the original game as it was when it was first released, with upgraded resolution and localized in English for the first time. So, yeah. seems like it's yeah. pretty much besides being translated, which of course is a huge besides. It's yeah. pretty much the same version. So I, I, I think I think I think my my only gripe with that is like it's really cool, really fucking cool that they did that. I wish it was sold separately. And it's not like gated behind the deluxe edition of this. I kind of wish like you know there's like, if, pe- if people who only watch want to experience the original, like they should have the option to do that too. So maybe it's in the cards at some point that they release it separately, but uh, I I would like to see that. And then lastly, I I wrote the something for the site. It's basically kind of a summary of all the thoughts and things that I observed at the in the Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis closed beta that uh, I spoke about last week uh, during its closed beta. Time. Um, so I gave it a pretty lengthy, you know, article. And it's kind of 
It was kind of more for me in the sense that, like, I kind of want to catalog this just in case there's any changes to the full release. So maybe we can maybe compare and contrast, like, what, what they decide to do with the full release. Or they decide to, like, you know, improve on some aspects of it. So, um, we still don't, we still don't have a release date, uh, firm release date for this. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I'm, I'm curious to give the full game a shot. So if you're interested in knowing more, more than you probably want to know about the game, um, give my article a read. Um, I've already spoke about this last week, and yeah, that's uh, that's what uh, was on the site this week in terms of articles. And now we don't really have a main big, big, big topic uh, this week, aside from like you know the it's not really within our scope, but there's that whole uh, the the almost the conclusion of the saga of of Microsoft uh, purchasing Activision Blizzard and like having to get through the FTC. So that stuff is all wrapping up. It seems like they're they're the FTC, uh, um, the the courts are giving them the green light. Uh, they triumphed over the FTC on that aspect. So very likely, the... what will happen is that uh, because there's been a lot of political pressure to the CMA in the UK, mm-hmm. what's likely going to happen is that the um, the like Microsoft and the CMA are meeting on Monday, which means that probably by the time folks wake up. In like the U.S. on Monday, we'll figure we'll come out. We'll have the news that the deal's officially been closed. Yeah, because with all the pressure towards the CMA, and it's not just Microsoft. A lot of companies have been like, "Hey, it's kind of weird that this one branch of the UK government, this agency, basically has no oversight." And it, it's just one of those things where it's like you turn up the heat. It's like. Yeah, I mean, there, there's two outcomes to this, right? It's either the CMA, you know, finally gives into pressure, and then the deal finally is through, it's all done and uh, done and sealed. Or, um, you know, if the CMA still is... Uh, It'll yeah, go still through, but there will be some weird shit where it's like there will be, like, a separate, like, entity like, for the UK or something. But yeah, it's yeah, like third parties to distribute in the UK, so that's the loophole okay. that they can do. For yeah, that. at this point, though, it's very clear that it's gone through. Yeah, so that's that's kind of a big big thing in uh, gaming this week. Um, you can go read it up on other sites. We didn't really cover that because it's kind of not really in the scope, but it, it is interesting to to see uh, all go down. Um, but uh, the just yesterday, as of this recording, um, Square Enix did another out of nowhere shadow drop. That I don't uh, I don't know what to tell you. So Gamatsu at first uh, noticed that uh, Dragon Quest Treasures got rated in Europe for PC and shortly after that uh, just out of nowhere in a tweet um, Swearies was like hey guess what we released Dragon Quest Treasures on PC via Steam and they're like cool and then so Dragon Quest Treasures just now is available on PC through Steam and as you might expect it has a higher frame rate uh, higher visual fidelity with uh, increased resolution support Um, Adam you've been playing a bit of it how do you like the port? So I never played the Switch version, so I can't make a direct comparison. Um, the port's actually pretty solid. It's got more options to it than I expected in terms of like tre- uh, textures and shadows and ambient occlusion and um, and resolution and frame rate. You can play it at basically an unlocked frame rate, which I, I'm going to guess on Switch it was stuck at 30. I was yeah. streaming it earlier, and one of our contributors, Tony, was like, wow, this looks way diff- way better than the Switch version. <laughs> so um, it's it's not really surprising the PC port is good because Builders Two is best on PC. So 
Yeah. Do, we know, do we know who did the port? Let me check the page if it's just Square Enix or if it has a house. Uh, no, it looks it just says Square Enix and Tose, who's the developer. So, but yeah, it's a pretty solid port. Um, I'm kind of going into this game. I'm not expecting it to be like excellent, like Dragon Quest XI. But you know, so I'm about three hours in, so I just started. Kind of got through all the sort of tutorial stuff. It's you know just hoping for a kind of a relaxing, charming, you know, cartoony game. So. Yeah, I'm, enjoying it. I'm enjoying it for what it is so far. I think my expectations are in check based on Paige's original review of the Switch version and so on and so forth. But I think it's pretty I hard am... to beat Dragon Quest XI. Yeah, Dragon <laughs> Quest XI, what? We, we gave it 10. Probably one of the best RPGs of all time. We gave it 3 times. Yeah. Yes, I gave it a 10. I, I still stand by that. I will I think, uh, that down. Yeah, call, we gave it 3 it different 10 out of 10s. So... so. Um, I am kind of curious, though, like the strategy of making it a shadow drop, if just like the splashy nature of that is worthwhile rather than saying, because sometimes for like stuff like triangle strategy, for instance, um, it's not exactly the same situation, but they announce it, you know, like a week ahead of time. So not a whole, not, not with a lot of, you know, uh, foresight, but, you know, just saying, Hey, it's coming out next week versus, Hey, it's out now. So at the very at the very least, this coming out at a very like you know somewhat vacant time for like RPGs is that like you know they're, they're like there's not really anything on the immediate horizon that like Dragon Quest fans uh, will like immediately grab onto. It's not like it's not like the world ends with you uh, PC release right for for Neo uh, world ends with you where like it, it was shadow drop and it was like right before like Persona Five Royals like PC release I think which was already known. Um, yeah. And that was just like really bad, really bad. Timing. And of course, that one was like an epic exclusive, and then a Steam release. So yeah, that never helps. So strange, but I guess better timing than Neo World Ends with You, which continues to like you know really get shit <laughs> on all ends. But unfortunately, um, this is a neat one. So a while back, um, Sting uh, actually released uh, a PC version of Yggdra Union on Steam, but under early access. Uh, now we got word that the full release of Yggdra Union on Steam will be coming out on July 27th, uh, and this is coming out uh, on... Uh, this is also coming out on Nintendo Switch on July 27th as well. So this is kind of... It's, uh, so it's technically, you know, the, the fully complete version of Yggdra Union. Not to say... But it was a kind of a weird situation because an early access, uh, Yggdra Union was still playable from beginning to finish the entire game under early access, but they really wanted to tighten up like the localization and any bugs that were introduced in the PC version and any quality of life enhancements that like, you know, based on player, based on early access from player feedback uh, on that. So that was what they used the early access period for, not necessarily releasing an incomplete version, but just made sure it was as, at its best when it finally fully released. So, at the end of this month, just a few days away, uh, if you're a, a fan of Yggdra Union, or if you're interested in checking it out for the first time, it's a pretty damn good game. Um, it'll be out, once again, Switch, uh, and the fully 1.0 release on Steam uh, on July 27th. Yeah, this is, this is cool because Sting has actually been releasing a couple of remasters for their strategy RPG games over the last couple of years. In fact... Yggdra Union came out in Japan, like the, the remaster, I mean, like three years ago for Switch. Um, but at the time, so way back on the original like Game Boy Advance release, it was Atlas who did the localization. And so it was a little bit up in the air, like, 
well, this game is localized, but can they remaster it? Like, where, what's the state of the localization? Who has the rights to it? Can they use it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it had been years since the remasters had started coming out. There's also a couple of spinoffs like Blaze Union and Gloria Union. Um, so we, for a while, I was just thinking these are never going to get released. Like, who the, the localization is just kind of uh, up in the air. So the fact that this actually got a Steam release and now is getting a Switch release... And I assume it's basically at least based off the Atlas localization. Maybe not exactly the same, but it's based on it, I assume. It's fact that that's cool. And then also, I'm assuming you're getting to this, but Sting okay. also released or announced that they're going to be remastering Riviera, which is another game in the series. I think it's technically the first one in that Department Heaven series. And so that one, they haven't given any details at all, like platform dates, no, no English confirmation or anything like that. But now it seems like there's actually a chance that it'll get localized. Because, I mean, it was localized at one point. That it'll get a release in the West, the remaster. So Considering that... uh, I wouldn't be shocked, actually, if Shiravoon handles that. Hmm. Because, um, like, they just did, um, like... They've worked with a lot of... Well, they did the Otoara Rumono PC releases and whatnot. And so, who knows? Yeah, I would uh, like Riviera is a pretty damn cool RPG. It's like a, a kind of like an isometric turn-based sort of uh, RPG. This was released all the way back in what 2002. Um, yeah, 2002 ish. Yeah, and I and yeah, like you said, like I think Atlas originally um, localized it here. So uh, it was kind of just so cad- candidly mentioned too. It's like, oh yeah, we're working on an HD remaster for Riviera. Bye. Yeah, That's basically, it's, what's yeah, it's like we're making a remaster. That's it. That's the announcement. <laughs> Bye. Well, they don't want to release half the catalog. Might as well just release them all. Yeah. I mean, Shane, I'm sure they're working. It's it's cool to see. Like slowly but surely, Sting is like making sure that their uh, their awesome catalog is like being able to be released to like a modern audience. Some some way to like, continue supporting these like the really cool games and being able to be. So what are we? Is it just Nights in the Nightmare? I mean, they, they, there's a Switch release for Nights in the Nightmare that they did recently, but it's only in Japan. Um, I don't think so. Gungnir has gotten remastered. Right. That one was uh, weird. It's a cool conversation. It's just reminding me that that Fairy Fencer F uh, tactical RPG was also developed by Sting. Yep, I was actually about to ask. That was, was that any good, the tactical parts of it? It, it was fine. It, it was, was fine. Okay. I, I mean, I gave it a 7. It's like a perfectly, like... Uh, it's a per- it is one of Idea Factory's better releases. So, Thank you, Sting. <laughs> so to get a good game from Idea Factories, just tell them don't develop it. Get someone else to do it. If Zach was here, he would be uh, holding the flag <laughs> for, for Hyperdimension Noir, which is also Sting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see here. We got a release date for Banishers Ghosts of New Eden that is coming out on November 7th for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. This is the action RPG that uh, is being worked by uh, Don't Nod in, uh, in collaboration with Focus Entertainment. Uh, this, is, uh, this is basically the second collaboration that they had since Vampire that released uh, a few few years ago now. And uh, like the, the release date reveal is kind of like a very small cinematic uh, to reveal it. But uh, the, the last time uh, they showed it last month, uh, they actually showed more gameplay on what you do in that game. Looking like a 
uh, pretty cool uh, action RPG where you take control of, like a duo of, like ghost hunters uh, to protect yeah, the, the human the, world from specters. Kind of the uh, the twist in the premise is that one of the ghost hunters is a ghost. Oh. So. <laughs> and they're they're so like awkward. a couple, and it's like the man is alive and the woman is dead. Oh man, this sounds complicated. <laughs> yeah, I never played All Vampire right. or Vampire or how you pronounce it. So I heard that game was kind of like decent, but maybe a little bit unpolished. I remember uh, Kyle reviewed it for us way back when. Right. Uh, I do know. Don't nod. For first of all, I hate their new logo. Anyways, uh, they're they basically have said that they're going to really be fo- pushing their RPG stuff. They feel like that's where they see a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. So, if you're not familiar, these are the guys who originally made the original Life is Strange uh, in right. the sequel. So, well, Vampire is their RPG, so this is the more op- that's the more apt comparison. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I, sort yeah. of interested in this game, but not, you know, it's like... I, 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 I don't hear word of mouth, personally, for yeah. me. Like, I, like, like, Vampire seemed cool on paper, but it didn't seem to really yeah. jive with people. So, like, I, I, I'd be down to, you know... So hopefully this is good. I want. I want to. I, I, I don't want to see what else is releasing in November, though. You know exactly. So, right. Um, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is getting another DLC, with the Ground Battle DLC. Speaking of CyberConnect, that's right. It covers the twenty third World Tournament. I don't know if that means something. I, I'm, I, I'm just going by context. I think that's the World Tournament that takes place near the end of Dragon Ball. Is that with like Super Saiyan Man? No, not Dragon Ball Z. That's with uh, oh. the end of Dragon Ball with oh, the original Ball Junior. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. okay. So, as I as I understand it, this DLC, it's basically kind of like young adult Goku, or teenage Goku. I don't know how old he is at this time. Uh, facing off against Piccolo Junior in this tournament in Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z. And in terms of mechanics, it takes away all the flying and energy beam stuff and it's more martial arts which martial is... arts focused okay that's cool that's yeah. actually cool yeah. uh, so this is the fifth DLC of this game I don't quite there's like one on the there's like two on each of the Dragon Ball Super movies there's one on Bardock there's one on Trunks and this is the fifth one and then they there's, really gonna a, like... there's gonna be a sixth one too they, so... they really like Torbiot DLC for their Dragon Ball uh, titles like Xenoverse 2 got 10 billion. Yeah, the releases. Xenoverse 2 sold like an absurd amount of copies. I think Xenoverse 2 even got DLC on that. If Brian was here, he'd be more familiar with this. There was that like semi recent movie that was like a CG style movie that came out, and I think Xenoverse 2 got DLC on that. So it's like still getting DLC. Um, I want to know like what the what the playable roster is like in Xenoverse Two right now, like what the the, the number is. It has to be like an obscene amount. One thing it's that's like, one you, thing that's kind of annoying about these DLC announcements is that they don't give any sort of date or even window. They're just like we're we're making this DLC, and it's like okay, when does it come out? Who knows? Oh, uh, I don't know. And then they and <laughs> then question. they and then they based on past, you know, what they've done before, they just like release it one day. Like it's out now. Like, oh, okay, thanks. But yeah, That's there's going weird. to be this. This is the fifth DLC, and there's at least one more that we don't know okay. of. Time to bring George back to finish the review. <laughs> <laughs> finish the fight, George. All right, uh, we have a delay here. Stray Gods, the role-playing musical, uh, has pushed its release date back to August 10th. The and they were kind of, che- yeah, they're they're really a little cheeky about this. The primary reason is to 
make sure all versions of the game uh, is like the they're as fully closely um, they achieve performance uh, parity as closely as possible in between. You know, it's basically coming out to everything, including Switch. So PlayStation, uh, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Uh, they, so obviously, with that amount of platforms, they want to make sure that they minimize the amount of like performance problems in between each version. Make sure that it's like a tip-top shape. But they were also being cheeky about it. Being, uh, you know, they they said, "Hey, originally we were gonna release on August third, and we heard that Baldur's Gate three was kind of moving its release date uh, up to August third. So we want to give you time." It's actually kind yeah. of refreshing that they literally say by name in the press release. Uh, yeah. By the way, basically. Baldur's Gate 3 comes out on August 3rd, so we're going to delay a week. We don't want to release on the same day as that. And, like, you know, I, I appreciate that kind of, like, spirit. It's like, all right, yeah. So, hopefully, you know, I... I do want to play some Baldur's Gate 3, and I want to put a lot of time into it. Um, straight Gods here. I'm, I'm hoping... It, it has a really, really cool approach. Yeah, it's, it seems it's different than... Yeah. Like, a musical RPG is like, has that been done before? I don't know. Does so, Kingdom I mean, Hearts Little Mermaid singing sequence count? I mean, I know there are yeah. RPGs with songs in it, but this seems more they're kind of like a mix between it, musical, adventure... It's like RPG. a stage play narrative, yeah. almost. Yeah. I think they offered us a review code, and I think Paige might be reviewing it for us. We'll see. Okay, so. nice. So we'll see. We'll uh, see how that turns out. Uh, next, we have uh, a release date for... Oh, God, please. Ciao, I'm sorry. how do you pronounce uh, this? How, how do you pronounce this, Ciao? I'm going to fucking butcher it. I got to see the Chinese title. Can't oh, just give me like Yuan Chuan Yuan. I, I think I, I, I think Chuan <laughs> Yuan Sword Miss Beyond the Mountains uh, is uh, releasing on July twenty sixth, and this is um, this is uh, coming to PC via Steam. It's also headed for Nintendo Switch, but no release date uh, has been given for that version yet. Um, I don't know really much about this. Is this like part of like an ongoing series, right? I guess this game is actually originally made in like 1999. Okay. In China. And yeah. this is like a remake of it or like a re-release okay. for like modern audiences and yeah, with I, an English localization. I, I, I literally have, I do not know anything about this series except that it's been, it's a long, long running RPG okay, it was Okay, it was Yuan, Sean Yuan Sword 3. Sorry okay. if I mispronounced that. Damn, uh, it's already the third one. Damn. So, <laughs> wow, well, are you are you uh, looking forward to like a, a specific number, you know, getting a remake? Wow, when you when you see numbers like that, you know you don't know. Do I start with the first one? Is this like a Final Fantasy? No, this was released back in 1999. Chow, really, really, <laughs> Sean, Sean Rod Sword Three. So, I don't know. Uh, uh, it was what? Uh, uh, how many years in the making? <laughs> I can't do math. A lot of years in the making. Twenty-four years in the making. Um, okay, we have a, a release date once again. This is for the PlayStation Five version of the Caligula Effect Two. It's coming out on October seventeenth in uh, North America and October twentieth in Europe. There's just you know another continuing uh, trend of like uh, Nisa making PlayStation Five versions of uh, prior prior release titles just to have like some sort of like sh- uh, store shelf presence. Uh, and for people who've like never, you know, played uh, these games, uh, obviously that the, the PlayStation Four version that'll work on the PS Five. There's not like a significant like enhancement to it. It's just like, hey, if you have a PS Five and you want another RPG for it, and um, 
you know, you can get this and like I just has a physical release date, uh really right? Like a physical release for these games. I believe it does. And that's the reason why they're releasing it. Okay, All right. we're gonna, gonna I'm gonna be uh, step back one second. I looked at a video from East Asia Soft. They pronounce it Shuan Yuan Sword. Oh fuck. Shuan Yuan Sword. Okay. Hey, Look, guys, I am a Cantonese speaker, okay? Okay. Which is called Hin Yun Gim in, ja- in Cantonese, okay? Which is totally different sounding, okay? So I believe hard. you. I mean, I don't know anything about Chinese, so <laughs> if you tell me that, I'll, I'll believe you 100%. <laughs> I do not know Chinese at all. I'm sorry. Okay, so it's Hin Yun Gim in Cantonese. But it's a Taiwanese game, so we should say it Mandarin, so... <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, uh, Caligula Effect 2, PS5 version. This October for North America. We never reviewed this. I remember when it was coming out. There was just a bunch of other stuff coming out. And you're just like, I know that Colin was interested in doing it. I think, and obviously, Colin. Yeah. yeah. Um, Atlas Fallen uh, is coming up uh, very soon. Also coming uh, on August 10th. Uh, they released uh, some more footage on it with a uh, behind the scenes uh, gameplay presentation. So it's basically you know a lot of the dev team coming together and. Talking about aspects of the game, uh, obviously within the um, very German, field, like, yeah. So you know, yeah, you had uh, you know the game director, creative director, uh, audio director, and other uh, staff, key staff members talk about it. Uh, it's looking really cool. I really want to play it. Uh, I'm looking forward to to it. So uh, check that out if you're interested, and I'll just be coming here in a few weeks. Um. Next here, we have uh, more details on East 10 Nordics. Uh, we have uh, yeah. other NPCs like Grimson, Gunnar, Hugil, Flair, and my favorite NPC, Recapture Battles. Yes. Um, yes. By the way, um, Flair is from East 2. Yes, so we do have a returning uh, character from uh, an earlier East title. You know, who was Flair in East 2? He's a person the doctor you... that nobody remembers. Well, no, I remember the character. I forgot the name, you know, because a lot of those char- names okay. you lose. But he, you save him from, like, a mine or something, and he's the doctor that saves Lilia at one point. Yeah, he game. was there trying to find a herb down in the cave. You know, yeah. it feels like we're playing Ass Libra again. You know, <laughs> they use the same concept there. You know? He's uh, age 47 in, in, in this game. He's old as fuck. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, this game takes place relatively early in the East timeline. I think it's like after Salsetta. So Adol's only like 19 or something like that. Oh, the problem with the plot is they keep retconning, and now this is the first in the timeline. I don't even know what, it, what is canon anymore. It's like the, the East 1 and 2 even fucking happen at this point. Well, it's, it's just kind of funny. It's, the fact that this game takes place early in the timeline is like, I guess none of this stuff ever comes up again. <laughs> It's never mentioned later, so that's kind of funny. But yeah, and then uh, another aspect of this game that they've been really pushing is, hey, Adol has his own ship and he pilots it. And, uh, and there's naval battles, yeah, guys. It, yeah. it seems like this is sort of the uh, the new take on like the defense little wave based battles in uh, the in the last two games, like the camp defense and the monstrum attacks or whatever they were called. Uh, but instead, I, I it's like they... you raid ships and islands. So. I wish they scrapped that idea. I don't really like the raid system in both of those games. I feel they ruined the pace of you say you'll be like about to kill the final boss or something, and they'll be like, "Go back, your town's in danger," and you'll be like, "Oh fuck, I'm just trying to kill this boss here." And it I'll, is sort of I, weird. It always kind of felt like sort of a weird appendage, just like, "Oh yeah, there's also those raid battles." Okay, 
So I wonder, well, we'll see how they do it. Like, the monster fronts weren't as bad. They're still kind of tedious, but not as as bad as beats, in my opinion. But I think still... it's less tedious because they're all the parties fighting and you get to exactly. see them on screen. But... It's just utter chaos and like things are just like kind of dying really fast in them. So, but, but they still they they still do have like a weird way in how they slot it into the the narrative. It's such a filler. It's just like here, here's some extra. <laughs> it's so extra to be honest, but not in a good way. Also, the music in those battles is kind of bad, at least in eight. Down, <laughs> sing it will tear you apart. Yep. East Ten coming out on September 28th in Japan. That's coming up. You know, a few months ago, plan to import that. We got a new uh, Persona 5 Tactica uh, info drop that uh, has uh, introduced a new character, Toshiro, and uh, several new systems in it. Um, this, uh, the, this Toshiro is, part, is a uh, up-and-coming member of the Defense Diet, so, and uh, he's uh, seemingly next in line to become the, the country's next prime minister. Um, and also, the, a lot of some of the gameplay details they shared with this Persona 5 tactic info drops like the cover system. There's a skill tree. Uh, skill tree, yes. And, um, and you know, and uh, just kind of go, going over basic Persona. I heard this game is like Jagged Alliance 3. What? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm joking, but it's, it's got that similar yeah. XCOM-ish vibe. Joker's only very Personified. Joker has a thick Russian accent now. Um, let's see, what else we have here? And we have another uh, info drop on Dragon Quest Monsters, the Dark Prince. And it goes over, you know, main characters, story, new monsters, etc. As we all surmised once again, this is kind of directly linked to uh, Dragon Quest IV uh, with so- Sorrow, Sorrow, um, and kind of his uh, the prologue to his story uh, based on so like his is a prologue. Yeah, there's how uh, Sorrow kind of recruited all the monsters. <laughs> uh, served under him in a Dragon Quest four, so this is kind of a neat twist for like you know old school Dragon Quest. It's not like it's not like totally essential for like to getting into the series. It's probably, you know, it's probably you... like semi canon, where it's like yeah. this is an interpretation of what might have led to sorrow in Dragon Quest four. Yeah, so yeah, and you're mainly here for the gameplay mechanics you know, or for Dragon Quest monsters, and maybe it'll right. come to PC six months after. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see. Re releases of those other Dragon Quest Monsters games too. That'd be great. We never yeah. got the second one, right? That was 3DS? Mm, no, I don't uh, think. Like the, I, the I get Joker? the Dragon Quest Monsters and the Dragon Quest Monsters Joker mixed up. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't remember which one we got. Which one I know there was one on 3DS. Which one was the one that James did? He interviewed like, the fan translation team for? Which one was that? Uh, Dragon Quest uh, Rocket Slime 3DS. Oh, that was Rocket Slime. Oh, that's I'm Rocket Slime. Up with Monsters. Okay. Too many Dragon Quest spinoffs, man. <laughs> I, I, I bet you the Dragon Quest spinoff that was... What, what was the one that came out on PC did, like yesterday? Treasures. Oh, okay. Treasures. You were playing it earlier. <laughs> I, was jo- I was making a joke about all these Dragon Quest spinoffs, okay? It was a joke. Uh, I, I met all the Dragon Quest champions, and that was a mobile-only title that came out in uh, Japan like um, barely a few weeks ago. Um, and that's like... An R- it has the classic RPG mechanics of like you constructing like a team of three that like you... Kind of basically create and gear up, and then like, and it's like a, and its main mode is like a battle royale where you can go against other people online, and you all drop onto like an island via like you get you get rocketed like out of like a like an airship, and it's like, and then you control this team of three 
and you go around beating up people on the, like an enclosing circle like miasma on this island until like one person comes out victorious and it's really really goofy and stupid but it's sort of a novel concept because it's basically the battle royale concept but like the like the the flair of dragon quest so like it gives you like that like those classic first person perspective on battles but you could like interrupt and like butt it on like an ongoing battle so you're, like it shows like a full it can show like a full party of like teams of three so like you see six people on the battlefield in front of you first person but they can like attack each other too so it's like it's goofy it's crazy but yeah i was gonna ask has anyone played a dragon quest uh battle victory road that sounds familiar i don't know which one that is though that's the arcade machine where it has like that freaking sword that comes in from the center of the control panel when you're about to do like the ultimate moves no oh so that that kind of like sequel to that wii game or something yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, it, they poured it to the Wii, but it used to be arcade only, and you had to like bring your own card to save your game and stuff. I was wondering if anyone played that one. No, I think, I think that was just more like a spectacle game. You just watched it for like all like the heroes doing their cool super attacks. But uh, I guess it's pretty obscure nowadays. Nobody really even heard of it. What they're still waiting for is the Dragon Quest 3 HD 2D remake and uh, and the fucking Dragon Quest 12. Well, we're out of those after. After Octopath Traveler Free comes out, come on, man! Come on, man! I really need, I really need to see more of those. You know, um, but I can accept that Octopath Two is so good. So, you know, I was gonna ask. You know, speaking of spinoffs, you know, you sent me a Famitsu scan the other day, Josh, uh-huh. of a not Rune Factory game by the Rune Factory devs. Yeah, that's Rear Sekai. Rear Sekai. Yeah, they they had like a new info drop on that. Like so detailing some of the characters, um, I, I don't know too much about it because I don't know much about the Rune Factory series. But you know, Famitsu showed off a, a bit of that. I don't know if they ended up on any website, but uh, they gave it like a release date in Japan. But it's only Japan for right now on the Switch. It's like sometimes between like October, and November, I believe. No, I, I, I'm so I'm pretty curious on what this game is. I mean, I am seeing Isekai, but I'm also seeing Rune Factory. It's not you say it's a rear Sekai, okay? Get it no, right. No, but I'm saying Isekai. I mean, they're like the characters are wearing school uniforms in one moment, and now they're like dressed like in like you know like medieval era uniforms. Uh-huh. Sounds like an Isekai to me. Uh, well, if you, like if you if you like Isekai anime so much, why do you play an Isekai video game? Channel? I'm looking at Marvelous. Why don't you reincarnate as a vending machine? I'm looking okay? at Marvelous's website and like the Japanese website, and they haven't posted anything about it, so it might be Famitsu exclusive for now. Okay. Well, yeah. Just a little bit uh... of background information. Oftentimes, when Famitsu comes out on Thursdays, I know it always leaks a few days ahead of time, but when it comes out, oftentimes the publisher will like also do this their website update at the same time. Like for example, with the East stuff. It's in Femitsu, but then they basically post it on their website at the same time. But Marvelous hasn't, so I'm not sure what the deal is with this rear Sekai game. So, oh. but all I yeah, they they announced it in January of this year, and it's related to the Rune Factory series. But I don't know anything else about it. It's like, it's like, it's like the, the developers of like Rune Factory Four Special and Rune Factory Five. So Hakama, I believe, is the development studio. It has music by Motoi Sakuraba. Hell yeah, the the hardest working man. Who are you, like sold, are you sold on it yet? Are you sold? No. No, no I, didn't, I didn't see it in motion and like and not be on the Switch. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, 
Uh, that's uh, that wraps up what we got for this week uh, in terms of uh, game releases, articles, and news. Um, Nothing's happening next week. We looked. <laughs> we still have a few weeks so, until Baldur's Gate three. But we'll see what what, uh, what we can talk about next week. Maybe something crazy than news happens, and uh, that just becomes the main focal point. We don't know. We have no we, idea. We say right? that every time. That maybe maybe Diablo Four will be on uh, Game Pass and we'll actually play a bit of it. Now there's not a three-hour podcast. Look at the the runtime. We're actually doing good, okay? No, but I'm saying every time we say nothing for the next week, there's we always are... a three-hour podcast next no, week because no, it'll be like, oh, random Nintendo Direct dropped or some shit like that, and you're like, oh fuck. No man, when I stay the ship, the ship chow, it's chop chop. We gotta we gotta get through this. That's <laughs> no Javid Ryan. He does a fantastic job. We do, we're, we're, I'm usually the like the the, the problem child who goes on uh, way too long. Um, you can find us on uh, our website, our lovely website, rpgsite.net. You can uh, still follow us on Twitter. Uh, For now, always. I mean, we don't, I know we say it every week, but you know, it's always at a. It seems to be in a precarious situation uh, on a weekly basis. You can follow us on Twitter at rpgsite. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com/rpgsitenet. You can follow our YouTube, youtube.com/rpgsitenet. I think uh, we have our threads, technically. Technically, we also do have a blue sky. Technically, but we don't know what we're going to do yet. Uh, it's it's a, it's a, the wild west out there. Um, you can also uh, find this on your favorite podcast app, whether that be on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get podcasts. Um, and you can also uh, join our Discord at discord.com/slash/invite/slash/rpg site. So uh, it's been active there. Things are going on. Whatever, whatever RPGs or not RPGs you fancy, um, you know our community is always uh, welcome to greet you and have fun. Uh, other than that, that's uh, that ends, ends this uh, uh, edition of the TetraCast. Uh, you guys have a safe one. Stay safe, have fun, and you guys all have the rest of good. Have a good rest of your day, rest of your weekend, rest of your week. You know, and all that good stuff. Ciao. <laughs>